Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday Night Live, hosted by Drake, is over, but we're just getting started here on your Saturday Night Live live recap of show on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who it's unbeknownst to them where your rental car is. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? Rob, I'm sorry. It may sound like Rich Tackenberg, but it's actually Rich's publicist, Joey Pepperoni. Good uh, to see you. <laughs> yeah, how's everything going, Rich? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, good. So close to the end of saying a lot of internet problems today, but uh, even a dead cable modem would not keep me from the SNL podcast. Yeah, well, ready to talk about Drake, whether you love the Drake or hate the Drake. We're going to find out here today and go through Drake host and musical guest as the second to last episode of SNL season 41. I still can't believe it's almost over. All Next week with Fred Armisen, it all comes to a head. It all comes to a close. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Rich, uh, first off, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good to be here. How about you? Yeah, very excited. I spent most of the day today putting together an elliptical. And, nice. And uh, now I'm fi- fired up, ready to go. I would just be exhausted from that, and that would be <laughs> oh, my exercise me, for am. a while. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm exhausted from installing a new cable modem, so I can't imagine building an elliptical. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, it, it actually it went uh, pretty smooth. So that, that's right. uh, thank God for small miracles. All right. So let, let's get into uh, talking about Drake here. The second time Drake is back here on the show. Any big picture thoughts on the return of Drake? I mean, I would say I was definitely uh, looking forward to the return of Drake. I think that uh, he uh, seems to always do a pretty good job. He hasn't hosted in two years. Um, the, you know, he's a competent, you know, for a musical performer, you know, as we talked about two years ago, he is also an actor actually coming from Degrassi, the next generation in Canada, a term we will discuss a lot tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so very competent at both being silly and also performing fairly well so uh i think uh top line i would say i had a lot of problems with this episode but drake was not necessarily one of them okay and if i recall i feel like we did like the drake uh the first time around yeah no he did a good job and i think there was some it was it was a very solid there was no like oh my god that was a like a classic but uh, a lot of funny in in that episode okay so let's go into the first sketch of the night, which is the cold open and uh we get to have donald trump i think i I'd love to know the stats of how many cold opens in a row have we had Donald Trump in? Yeah, he's been uh, obviously for, you know, first and foremost in in everything because, uh, you know, he is always, you know, the leading story, you know, uh, you know, moments before SNL began. uh, My wife, Jen, says to me, by the way, did you hear this thing about Donald Trump used to pretend to be his old publicist? And I was like what are you talking about? And luckily she told me, or I would never have believed the, I wouldn't even have known what was being referenced in the cold opening because it's so insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's a move. That's a move though. Yeah. Uh, and 
we have uh, Donald Trump back again. And I really I like this. At least it was Donald Trump in a different setting than what we typically have seen him in in some sort of like a like uh, we talked about this earlier in the season. It'd be nice to see, Okay, what was this conversation like that led to this? So I give them kudos for coming up with something new in sort of where you want to put Donald Trump. And today we had. Bobby Moynihan as Chris Christie sort of vetting through vice presidential candidates. Yeah. And I agree with you that I liked the refreshingness if it wasn't yet another, you know, debate or some other sort of event that we've seen a million times. Uh, and, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I love Bobby Bobby's, you know, a, whether the accuracy of his Chris Christie impression is almost irrelevant. It's a fun character. It's a, it's a great for a cold open. I think again, as much as I am such a fan of Daryl Hammond, the energy of his Donald Trump is at such a, slow burn level that it's hard when you then have like what is sort of classic cold open Bobby Moynihan energy up at nine. I don't know that the two necessarily play well together. So uh, I felt this was sort of a little bit of like a, like being a car being driven by a person who's just learning to drive a stick. So we had a little bit of that lurching, uh, but, but I thought a lot of, a lot of cute here. And I thought Bobby did all the heavy lifting and, and that was fine. There was a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And a little bit uh, about yeah, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Tony Pepperoni, Joey, Joey, Joey Pepperoni. Pe- yes, yeah, <laughs> Joey Pepperoni. Uh, I did like it when they went through the list of the other people that they could potentially go through, and that uh, none of them want to take uh, Donald Trump's phone calls. Uh, yes. I also did like the angle of that Chris Christie, like desperately in like a romantic comedy sort of way, wants to be noticed by Donald Trump, but he's not thinking about him. Yeah, there was a, a, a tough moment early on when he says, uh, you know, Bobby goes, uh, Chris Christie, who said that? And the audience did not laugh at all. There was mm-hmm. sort of that weird, like, ooh, that's sort of sort of a tough one. But I liked it. It was, it was some funny stuff. And I and I liked the back and forth. And I liked that at the end of the day, this Chris Christie character, his, you know, he may love Donald Trump, but his true God is Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we had uh, the return of Ben Carson. Also, uh, the big night all around for Jay Farrow, and this is his first appearance on the show. Yes, and and uh, doesn't make much sense, uh, but was still just fun that you know that since that character has really become such a character, sure, it was really fan. Yeah. All right, Rich. uh, What about the live from New York? You know, what's funny, just as is being said in the chat room, you know, weird energy. You have three completely different energy levels. Bobby knows how to do it right. Uh, Daryl is, uh, you know, he he is from that that era of perform it as the character, not as the actor. And and uh, Jay was somewhere in between. So a little bit of a rocky start to our live from New York. But, you know, you know, Bobby's, you know, volume carried the day. OK. All right. So. Let's go to Drake and his monologue, and it's a singing monologue, but it's kind of a joke song that he's singing, and he's talking about all the different memes that people are making about Drake. What did you think of this as a performance, Rich? Um, you know, it's a good question. I mean, first off, we see that he uh, shaved his beard the mm-hmm. day or two before, which was uh, I think I think he shaved it yesterday, which was sort of strange. Um, you know, he came out clearly he was here to promote Canada. There's just a lot of Canada talk up front. And then the meme thing, you know, it's hard because it was sort of neither fish nor fowl for me. Um, it was, you know, cute that he's making fun of the fact that people make memes of him. And I thought that the music, especially some of the rap parts were actually well 
well-written for a monologue rap clearly written for this. Um, but it sort of never really kind of caught for me. I, I think especially since they were trying to show memes happening in the studio and it sort of didn't necessarily make sense, especially because they would cut to A.D. Bryant and it's like, when your sketch got cut, but it wasn't a still, it was just her in video. So it was sort of like, wait, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. So I felt sort of like it was a great idea and there was some fun execution, but it never really got off the ground for me. Yeah, I agree with you that I really was impressed with some of the lyrics that they use. And I like that he was making fun of himself, but I think it did tr- kind of fall apart when they were trying to make other people in the audience be the memes. And then uh, when he pretended to be Rihanna also, I don't know if that landed. It did not land for me. I mean, I give him a for putting it out there and going for it. And just like, I am going to come off intentionally dumb, 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 uh, you know, uh, but it was, it was not good enough nor silly enough of an impression. I feel like to make this work, it either had to be a better impression or he had to go more just dumb, silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was sort of, I I didn't quite know what it was. So for me, it wasn't my favorite, Uh, but I love that he did it. I love that he, you know, instead of just one more meme joke, they decided to mix it up and he did something uh, that sort of at least got the crowd going energy wise. Okay. Rich, let's talk about uh, the first live sketch, uh, which is the rent a car place. Yeah. So this was a sketch, a new sketch, which we don't see all that often in SNL. So it was a new sketch. It was written by Jay Farrow, James Anderson and Will Steven, two of the writers. So Jay uh, really getting a lot of screen time as well as, a, you know, a big writing credit for the, the first post monologue sketch. And this is going to be we're going to see sort of a, a, a long run. We're going to go 13 minutes of straight show before we get to a break. Um yeah, I, I I thought this was some fun characters, but I got to say, again, it, it didn't really I, I, I never really bought into it. So I felt like I liked Jay's character. I like I probably like Jay's character, Dewan, more than I liked uh, Drake's character, uh, Malcolm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and some fun stuff about, you know, about Dewan's 92 Ford Tempo and uh, what a good car it was. Um, but it was I mean, I think it was probably trying to make fun of a character type that uh, I don't see as much as Jay Farrow sees. I'm also not renting a lot of cars these days, mm-hmm. so I don't know uh, this world or this sort of this manager, uh, you know, this sort of like uh, disconnected manager type. So fun performances, but I would say nothing that necessarily solidified it together. I would hate to see this again. And yet I suspect um, if we have another, uh, you know, African-American uh, or or rapper or some other friend of Jay Farrow uh, next season, I could see this sketch coming back again. See, I, I don't uh, view it as negatively. I feel like that there is some uh, there's some room for optimism here because I feel like that the Drake at the register with the couple doa there's nothing going on here that i don't even know what the game of the scene is other than bad customer service here at the rental car place uh it's reminiscent of the seinfeld episode of you know how to take the reservation but there's no you know you can't hold the reservation reservation yeah and then i did feel like that the jay farrow character at least was something and i feel like that you could do you could do something in the future with this character. Cause I feel like that he was really hitting on everything. And the, uh, unburners, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought that that was a yeah. funny character. And I feel like that there's, you know, 
some some room that you could have that character, you know, either get him involved earlier or that's the, you know, um, ha- have him be in a, di- a different situation. But I felt like that there was something to take away from this. I agree. And I did like Jay Fair. I, I like Dewan typing on the computer with the pencil, with just the, the pencil <laughs> typing on the computer. I feel like I've seen that person before. So absolutely. <laughs> and I did like when I said, you can take my 92 Ford Tempo. I will charge you the full price for a 2006. 16 Mustang and you'll bring it back with a full tank of gas. Uh, there, was, there was definitely some funny stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, then we went into uh, was uh, American Ninja Warrior next. Yep. Okay. It was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So American Ninja Warrior. And uh, for those American Ninja Warrior fans out there, uh, the uh, America, American Ninja Warrior wrap up coming back to RHAP very soon. Wow, very cool. Yes. Very cool. The reality TV wrap-ups, I should say, specifically. Yes. Uh, all right, Rich. First off, are you a ANW watcher? I am not. I I've, I remember it on G4 back in the day, so I have seen it, uh, but I am not a fan. I don't dislike it, but I'm not, I'm not a watcher. Can you so speak I, to the authenticity of what they did? Well, what I wondered is, uh, originally I assumed that they went to the American Ninja Warrior set, especially since this is a, that is a NBC Universal show. Mm-hmm. Although, if you watched in the commercial break yeah. towards the end, they had a time lapse of them building the set. And I thought, if they actually built this set just for that sketch, the manpower to comedy ratio was woefully off. Um, but uh, so, so I don't know. But it, it, it felt generally accurate, and I love the the heartwarming package of the guy who you know of the, of the contestant first uh, and then the setup of it. So in general, it, it felt uh, authentic to me as sort of a, this is what we're mocking out of the gate. Okay. Bobby Moynihan is the person who was out of their town destroyed by a tornado. He's doing it for his town. Going to go on American Ninja Warrior. What about in the practice and the execution of the comedy here, Rich? Well, yeah. So here's the I love Bobby. You know, I love Bobby. Here's the problem for me. No and question. I wonder if you, I wonder if you guys had the same experience. I American Ninja Warrior. Great. We haven't seen that parodied before. So I'm excited. Bobby Moynihan comes on in the prepackage. You know, I love Bobby. But three seconds into seeing Bobby Moynihan, my brain goes, oh, the obvious thing is that Bobby Moynihan is just going to be terrible at the physical uh, challenge. I would hope that they come up with something more clever than what I thought of three seconds into the bit. And then, in fact, they did not. And it was exactly what I thought it would be three bits. So as far as surprising me and having fun with that, I would say this was a C. But given that, a lot of the execution really made me laugh. And Bobby, Bobby made me laugh a number, his commitment to trying it uh, and some of the back and forth I thought was very funny. Yeah. Would it have played better if you felt like, okay, that when the rock is hosting and then the rock is going to be the person we're expecting him to ace the course and he's a disaster. Yes. That would be hilarious because that would be a fun surprise. Even if you have like Taron Killam do it, who is not necessarily super buff, but we wouldn't see the we wouldn't see the joke coming down Sixth Avenue and turning at Rockefeller Center and getting in the elevator and pressing eight on the button. So that at least would have mixed it up. Um, that said, I, I did really like when after he fails the first time and he comes to talk to the guys and like, how did you do? And he goes, I did bad. It's just that really 
really made me laugh. I thought it's a lot of funny there. Yeah, I also felt like uh, this like went on for a bit then after that, after that first attempt. And I wonder if that was a result of that they built this big set and now you have to justify that you spent all this time on this. I would guess so. Yeah. And I also thought maybe what the joke was going to be is he does terrible. They give him a do over. He does even worse. I thought maybe the joke was going to be, okay, you get another do over and another, and we start cutting, intercutting them more quickly. So to the point where Bobby actually doesn't want to do it anymore, but they make him do the do overs. Mm -hmm. Um, It probably would have made it a longer sketch than, than it even already was. So, so maybe not, not right. But uh, I liked just watching the slow motions of the real, Bobby throwing himself into these things mm-hmm. or even when he just tries to run across the water which makes which wasn't actually funny at real speed because it didn't make any sense that you would try that but watching Bobby in slow motion do that was just beautiful commitment all right uh so then let's go back to the live sketches and we have a sketch about uh Dennis Walls and the cookies where Drake is sort of a, a guy who is like an R&B singer and he's got these uh women with him and a, a little bit of shades of um who was the, the ladies, Tim man. ladies man the yeah. ladies man exactly yes <laughs> yeah and uh but apparently he offended his producer by calling him the wrong name yes so he calls the director he keeps calling the director i think i can't remember what he calls him. the director was todd but sydney, i think he kept I calling it was. sydney yeah. yes yes well, so they, just they go and, back to, back it up to the intro to this i i thought was PBS really intro. was really baffling i that i was very confused why this even needed the intro from leslie jones and then kyle mooney was standing behind her i will say as much as i did not like it there was a part of me that was thinking at least this is not being introduced by Reese the what <laughs> so I got saved a Reese the what sighting because uh, it is odd though that now SNL feels like anytime they're doing a period piece they have to introduce a real time character explaining why we're so as opposed to just putting up 19 you know just like the NBC logo from 1973 and then going mm-hmm. into this so uh, I liked that it was a little bit different. I, it felt like a little bit hastily put together because it was really the only joke was that Leslie Jones is reading the lines of both people. Um, and, and I'm which we see sure on what. every single awards show ever that, yes. you know, they do that. They do that bit. And I, I also thought it was weird that they would say that this was a, a PBS show. I don't really understand why. Yeah, I, I could imagine that. Yeah, it was a strange because, yeah, it was, so it was it felt a little last minute. Maybe it did start out as a Risto what? Uh, and they were like, well, it's not old enough to play as cinema classics. So we got to do something else with it. I don't know. But it it did feel a little sort of put together last minute. OK. All right. So let's get into the actual uh, business of the sketch and. You know, I felt like that this was fun, but I felt like that the jokes were kind of flat in terms of, you know, that what this what the producer is doing. First off, just the fact that he got his name wrong seems like kind of petty of a reason for the director to be, you know, destroying the show. Like if it was that, okay, the uh, Dennis Walls slept with the director's wife. 
okay, I would understand that. But just the fact that he called him Sydney seems weird that he would sabotage the whole show. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they didn't bother me as much because it was the premise of the show. But to your point, I think I would have enjoyed this more if it would have built, if he would have continued, other than just continually uh, saying his name wrong, if he would have inadvertently offended Todd in more and bigger and bigger ways so that it would have made more sense. Um that didn't bother us as much. I, I think like you, I felt that this was a fun sketch. It felt a little pointless. Um, and it's sort of, you know, this is a sketch that kind of, this is a hard sketch to do live because like what, from the minute that we see the tiny saxophone, th- there's just a lot of time to the point where he's playing the tiny ta- saxophone and in, and it just needed to be tighter because it was a sort of a, that like a lot of these pieces were one note jokes sort of across the board. So yeah, I, I mean, I, for me, what I I thought Cecily Strong was very good as as the dumb cookie um, is specifically when the bed was rotating. She did a great job at always the character was always trying to face the camera no matter what. And I thought that was a, a very nice performance from her. Yeah. And I, I just felt like the actual show that it was supposed to be was weird that in terms of like, I, I don't know what was supposed to be happening. It seemed like it was sort of like the setup for like a, a pornographic film that we're that we're watching here. Like, I just felt like that the just the dialogue when it wasn't in the business of being offending, of offending the director, I felt like was, you know, particularly um you know, salacious very and on the nose. Very raunchy. Yes. Uh, yeah. If I just like, what is that? What is this show on PBS that's supposed to be? If it was going yeah, according to plan. E- I agree. I agree. And even and that's where I think it got a little bit vague. Even if it wasn't a PBS show, it was like, is this supposed to be Tony Orlando and Don who had their own show at one point? Or like it, it didn't it didn't sort of play, uh, you know, Chuck is saying, you know, Sonny and Cher. Uh, and yet it never felt like that show, those shows. And, mm-hmm. and I, I confess to be old enough to remember those shows, even though I was young uh, and not that the core audience of SNL would know. Uh, but yeah, it didn't feel like it felt like even if everything had gone right, I don't know what this show would have been. Yeah. All right. Uh, then let's get, I agree. get into, uh, it's the return of baby boss who I don't remember the last time we saw Beck Bennett as baby boss. And so we we're trying to vet him as a person to run against Trump. Do you have this rich? Yeah, we it's surprising that it was last season. I thought it was longer than that. It was November, though, of 2014, the Cameron Diaz episode. I know I have been a big proponent of Baby Boss. I have enjoyed it more than uh, maybe you and certainly our chat room whenever we talk about Baby Boss. Um, but I think that this this one Again, it might be that comedically we did not have a lot of momentum going into the sketch. Um, But for me, it wasn't as fun. Um, uh, You know, I think also there was I think maybe they were sort of counting on a little bit of a surprise of it's a topical political sketch with Paul Ryan talking about Trump. And then, oh, my God, who walks in is but baby boss, which would have been a surprise if except that in the commercial break, they had shown on the camera the the next sketch up baby boss. So I knew they were going to do baby boss before the commercial was over. So there was no surprise to it. Again, though, great performance by Beckman. And even if for me, this was a little bit of a 
little bit of a sort of snooze. Uh, I, I still love his performance. Yeah, I think it was a mistake to bring baby boss into the election stuff, because I think that the premise of baby boss when it worked is that he's sort of like it's a company and it seems like that nobody at the company seems to think it's weird that the boss is also acting like a baby. And then it, to have him be vetted as a potential candidate for president of the United States, you know, there's too many questions of, you know, how could this person be the president of the United States? Whereas opposed to the baby boss, you know, it was, it's his company. He's actually the boss here. And the person who is talking to him isn't interviewing baby boss that, you know, it's, it's been right. like, okay, Oh, I'm in the office of my boss who happens to be acting like a baby. I don't want to offend him because he still is this powerful person as opposed to baby boss interviewing for a job where he doesn't have the power in the room yeah and uh, i would agree with everything you're saying it was it was a tough setting and i would also say and i know that i said this in november of 2014 as much as i used to love the baby boss the more we see it the more it becomes apparent i would say even if most people didn't think this this is something that subconsciously bumps on people when they watch it whether they think it or not which is if the premise is he's a fully brilliant a 50 something year old person but his body is that of a baby then they need to be cleaner in their games when he's choosing to grab the hair uh, of of cecily strong or when uh, when taron killam holds up the folder and he's like where'd you go oh there you are he's now acting like a baby and not it's not just that his body is a baby and and i think even if the audience doesn't necessarily connect those dots it's what makes this feel a little bit like i don't totally know what i'm watching here it, it feels a little fast and loose with the rules of their own world which then sort of makes us sort of go mm, okay I, uh, okay i'm good yeah I, again the performance is really just out of very strong performance. Yeah. Love it. I love it. I love his commitment to it. Love. I love what he does. The physicality. Very well done. Great job on that. OK, uh, let's get into the performances of Drake, our own musical correspondent, James Keast, uh, not James Miller, uh, that he cannot be with us here tonight. So we have a recording of James from earlier today talking about Drake. And then uh, we'll come back and talk about James's thoughts. Hey, guys, sorry, I'm not able to be there. And there's no small irony in the fact that I'm missing today's SNL podcast in order to go to the game seven of the Raptors heat series, go Raptors. So I'm hotline blinging this in. Uh, and I, uh, am not going to sing it, even though Drake sang all over this episode, he was singing about his memes. He was singing on a spinning bed and he was singing one dance, his first ever number one hit. Uh, I mean, he was sort of singing it. He was certainly revealed to be singing to a backing track at one point. And, I find that uh, more than emo Drake, Saturday Night Live brings out theater nerd Drake. And uh, theater nerd Drake kind of took over uh, during the performance of One Dance, I thought. He went for goofy instead of uh, serious and, and was pulling out all the gifable dances that uh, he's certainly aware are going to um, be all over. And in fact, are already all over uh, the Internet today. Uh, he was sticking his tongue out and mouthing along to the words and, you know, having a good time. Uh, I appreciate theater nerd Drake. And, uh, that's certainly what we got throughout this episode. And in particular during the first song, uh, the second song, he got a little bit more serious with hype, more of a rap showcase from his new record views, uh, which dropped a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, a much more focused uh, 
the he still can't resist little theater nerd touches like the finger guns, uh, things like that. But uh, all in all, uh, I thought Drake did a really good job overall on the show and uh, and generally a good job with the musical side. I would say I thought hype was better than uh, than one dance. But one dance is uh, such a res- irresistible hook that uh, I think even he couldn't uh, couldn't prevent just having a smile on his face during that one. Australian rocker Courtney Barnett is up for next week for the season finale, and uh, I will be back for that. Uh, And in the meantime, uh, go Raptors. Let's hope we win this afternoon, as Drake proved during Drake's beef. Uh, You don't want to piss off us Canadians. Thanks very much. Talk to you uh, next week. Rich, why does everybody always have to pick on Drake's dancing? That uh, I I like Drake's dancing because that's how I dance. Nice. Well, you're you're of a you're of a group, definitely. Yeah. yeah, we're of the same mind when it comes to great minds think alike. All right, uh, let's yes. talk about weekend update. And I thought that it was a uh, especially uh, ferocious uh, weekend update with Michael and Colin really coming out guns blazing for Trump this week. Yeah, a lot of good Trump stuff. Uh, you know, again, sort of once again touching on the whole story of the uh, the publicist stuff, uh, which I thought was very fun. I thought there was some fun back and forth. Uh, you know, especially I like you know the, the them playing the actual tape and then you know commenting on the term tremendously. I thought that was funny, and then Chase sort of really hitting hard with the if you want to prove that uh, this guy is real, then just provide us with his birth certificate. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, no, he Trump really got was, uh, you know, just like a re- run, run, run of like, uh, you know, several Trump jokes just to open this up. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And then other things. I mean, I liked the sort of thing about these uh, conservative bathroom bills to keep uh, to keep uh, transgender people. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I just I just in general like the whole run about how bathroom bill is the perfect nickname for a restaurant pervert. And uh, a lot of that stuff was uh, I, I thought they, they had a nice run. And the idea of it, the Mexican restaurant was not knowing which is the men's room. <laughs> and uh, so so I thought uh, some real funny jokes there. And then I thought Colin had a couple of funny jokes towards the very end as well. So jokes were really heading for me. OK, so then we had uh, Olya Pavlatsky uh, comes out. Is this number three or number four for her, Rich? I think it's number four. We last saw this on uh, the Elizabeth Banks episode from this season. So just a just about uh, six months ago. Uh, so uh, we've seen her a couple of times. Saw so on Twitter that uh, I think we knew this that uh, Olia is written by uh, Kate and Chris Kelly. They mm-hmm. wrote it together. Um, you know, again, really fun character. You know, I love this character. Uh, you know, maybe we we we're running. Maybe she doesn't have as many sort of new moves to surprise us with. Um, you know, I do always love when she says hello colin and hello black colin that always makes me laugh uh, she also and called then, colin uh white shay i think at one point also yeah no no so uh yeah i thought this was really funny she always plays it at 11 she's super hammy in this and i and i like it that way um i liked a lot of stuff like when they talked about uh putin calling trump a genius she said that, like that's like my poop saying oh yeah yours you smell bad and then me saying why is my poop so gray uh, like it's just a lot of like little jokes about that that i thought were funny so uh, a little bit predictable because we kind of know a lot of the moves of this, but in general, I, I thought it was really fun. Yeah. And uh, really went hard after uh, Melania Trump, I felt like at the end, uh, the last, that last <laughs> yeah, joke. was a funny. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty rough, but, uh, but made me laugh. Definitely. Okay. 
Uh, then it's either, you know, you spin the wheel. Is it Leslie Jones or uh, is it um, Pete Davidson? Yeah, Pete Davidson every week. And yeah. uh, this week it was Leslie Jones in the rotation. And Rich, I have to say that I thought that this was fun, but I didn't feel like there was a lot of jokes here from Leslie. Yeah, I thought, you know, I liked this because it was shorter. It was less mad libby as the like, we're going to say this here. We're going to say that there. Uh, so in general, I liked it. But you're right. I don't think it was necessarily hilarious. Um, we had just seen her in February uh, it, with the Melissa McCarthy one. I thought this was funnier than that. Interesting to find out that she tore her ACL during the Ninja sketch, yeah, which actually explains to me why uh, it, there were a few weeks where I was like, where's Leslie Jones? She's like in nothing that never happens like oh now we know she actually was injured so uh yeah i thought it was some some fun stuff nothing that was worth jotting down but uh but certainly good energy i felt like okay we had a nice sort of we, we were going well with weekend update at this point yeah i believe the av club review had said about the ninja sketch where leslie jones uh, tore her acl that uh basically the juice was not worth the squeeze on that <laughs> it's not worth it well said <laughs> also yes. uh david allen posted in the comments uh last night i saw coming down sixth avenue taking the elevator to eight uh of how leslie's downward facing colin joke was coming <laughs> well said well said yes we all knew where that was going yes okay uh and then we had the return of jay farrow where he had the black comedians meeting uh, that he did it seemed like well, only like a month ago right it was in march it was in march with jonah hill so not that many episodes ago three three months ago and only a handful of episodes ago so obviously you know we said this in the black comedians thing we found a nice format for her impressions an excuse to do short rapid fire pieces instead of playing that character in an entire sketch and it may be sort of losing its punch and i agree obviously i know black comedians way better than i know black rappers so i will take the community's word for it that these were good impressions what i will say is it was fun it was high energy it moved quickly uh and and i thought it was a, a real success for him yeah and then uh you knew drake was gonna pop in there right <laughs> you know, uh, did I know uh, sometimes denial is a powerful, uh, powerful element? Yeah, I guess I did know that that was likely as soon as he started doing Drake. It was obvious that Drake would show up. It was nice that Drake had a good sense of humor about all of it, uh, but it didn't go anywhere. So it was mm -hmm. just, uh, OK, look at me. I'm cool with people making fun of me. I get it. So uh, but overall, that's nitpicky. Overall, I thought it was I thought it was really fun. You know, we didn't mention it either in the musical segment about uh, Chris Rock showing up to introduce Drake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention that I, the biggest cameo in a long time. And he's just introducing the musical guest and then not to be seen again, which was which was a shame. Is he just a big Drake fan? He wanted to be there in person to see Drake or he's just there hanging out because what's he doing on a Saturday night these days? I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, uh, he's single. Yes. There you go. Uh, that's the move. All right. Uh, Black Jeopardy uh, is back. Uh, Rich, does the return of Black Jeopardy speak at all to the theory that Keenan is leaving after next week? I mean, so I mean, I think that there's a good chance that that's true. I think that this is a uh, 
they haven't overdone Black Jeopardy. And I don't think that his character is specifically so iconic that Keenan would be like, I want to get in another Black Jeopardy. What I like about Black Jeopardy is we've really each time we do it, we're coming kind of coming at it from different angles. The first was, uh, you know, a white African studies professor knows more about black history than black people. Then the second time was a white girl who thinks that she's black is, is embarrassed. And this time we get black Canadian. Uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, Drake is from Canada. <laughs> It was mentioned a thousand times. I actually thought Martin Short might actually cameo to make a Canada joke because he's done that in the past, especially since Martin Short has a new NBC show with Maya Rudolph coming Mm -hmm. in the next few weeks. So I thought this was like a perfect sort of Canadian tie in. But it wasn't. Uh, You know, I always think Black Jeopardy is fun. Again, for me, uh, and again, maybe I'm not the core target demo for this sketch, but I would say. The fact that they had uh, um, they had Drake, who is Canadian, playing this kind of weird sort of um, uh, reggae kind of guy. I didn't know if they were making fun of kind of black person that happened to be Canadian or if they were saying all Canadians are these weird reggae uh, so it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit muddy. I think for me, the idea of the black Canadian and a lot of the answers he gave, it would have been a cleaner game if Drake would have just played that straight and let his answers of of Canadian stars, Canadian rapper, let them sort of react to him would have been a much cleaner uh, sketch instead of also trying to sort of figure out, is he a poser like Elizabeth Banks was when she was on Black Jeopardy? Or is he just being a real black person who happens to come from Canada? So lost me a, a little bit there. But in, in within that still, I still love Black Jeopardy. I think it was still still a fun sketch. Any jokes uh, particularly resonate with you? Um, I I think that I liked when he when he was choosing categories and he said bro and they're like it's bra <laughs> that, that definitely made me laugh. Uh, yeah, I, I like the Rick Moranis joke. Yeah, yes, that was very fun. Yeah, so yes, definitely some fun stuff along the way. All right, uh, then uh, let's get into uh, Drake feuding with all the different people from SNL about uh there's little things that they did pete davidson started it off i uh, made fun of him uh then other people uh, leslie jones snubbed him in the hall ad bryant moved his hat what do you think of drake going into uh getting into rap battles with people I mean, I liked this. I, I I thought it was a very fun idea of like somebody being slightly snubbed and acting fine about it. But in their head, they're hugely upset by it. Uh, so there was definitely some fun here. I can also see why it was saved for the end. I for, I can't tell you why it didn't fully connect for me. Um, it, it, it felt a little bit uh, off for me. And I, I'm not sure why. But in general, I liked a lot of the execution. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Would it have been more fun to see somebody else uh, like just have him feuding with one person or do you, you like that he was like getting mad at everybody? Well, I like the idea that he's getting these very genteel snubs and he's getting madder and madder about it. I don't know if the snubs had to get lighter or if his reaction, even though they did scale his reaction up, maybe it just wasn't enough. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, two fun facts from the, from the Twitter universe. Uh, Josh Gad, who kept giving <laughs> reference, that uh, actually tweeted back to Drake saying, I'm always here for you, buddy, always, which I thought was cute. <laughs> and then the editor of the video tweeted out that the cleaning lady who snubs Drake by taking his water that still had 10 sips was actually Nosrata, the actual SNL custodian uh, in, uh, from Rockefeller Center who cleans cleans their offices. So I like oh, wow. an actual cameo from the actual person do you think does this speak to that drake's uh feuds that he has been in are over nothing or am i reading too much into it i am not the guy i am an snl expert i am a rap feud newbie i cannot help you with that one. okay all right then uh, the last live sketch uh is about the spring fling uh and drake is dressed as uh, a pseudo hulk hogan impersonator uh yeah. <laughs> I like that they do this stuff at the end. He was a professional chaperone in that looked like Hulk Hogan and kept talking about wanting to talk to the if if he were 15 years younger, but then still talk about things that happened 15 years ago. Very silly, very disposable. Um, but you know what? For five to one, I think it was or six minutes to one. It was fine it was it had some fun moments it had some fun references everyone sort of did a good job being the straight man to him very fun Taryn Killam who had been kind of quiet for a lot of this episode coming in as him from 15 years in the future so in general I thought it was uh you know it was a fun last sketch of the night not a memorable one but that's okay okay uh then Let's talk about Drake and the goodbyes. Uh, I think that there was somebody on Twitter that was talking about that. Uh, there was definitely no friction, definitely no moat. Was it Johnny DeSilvera was already uh, tweeting about the goodbyes? I think so, yes. yes. Yeah. And then someone, I think maybe Scott uh, St. Pierre was saying that there was a little bit of weirdness that uh, between Che and Drake. Oh, um, and I yeah, and I actually didn't see uh, I didn't see the actual uh, snub per se, but I did not see them necessarily connecting. Uh, yeah, I think Drake's de- Drake definitely had a uh, you know he had a very sort of smooth instead of sharing his excitement, it was much more like these people are the hardest working people on television. Man, give it up for them, which is a weird energy. Nothing wrong with it by any means, but it was definitely a weird energy. But uh, you know, you know, he uh, went right to Jay, him and Jay Farrow, huge hug. He goes to give Leslie Jones a huge hug, but at that point, Taryn Killam was coming in to also sort of say thank him, and they end up with a big three way hug, which was odd but fun but i think it was certainly fun i i, I think that it, it, i i didn't see the beef with che but i didn't see i didn't see him be snubbed but uh i i didn't see them not so but it seemed, seemed like general uh, a lot of good energy uh with the good nights how about uh chris rock was he there he was not there he was not there he was not mentioned i don't think they really consider this a cameo per se this has happened a number of times before when it's a host and musical guest sometimes it's a cast member and sometimes it's an alum like Amy Poehler, who's just there, uh, you know, you, you know, that they just and uh, the one time I was there, uh, one of the two times I was there when um, um, when uh, um, Taylor Swift was hosted musical guest, you could tell they pushed pushed somebody out like with six seconds to go like someone was like, oh, Jesus, and ran out and then took it over. Mm-hmm. So 
so might have been a last second like hook us up chris hook us up who knows yeah uh somebody is also asking us on uh twitter i don't have it up in front of me how come we don't get on daryl hammonds for not being in the good nights you know and he's a mix i should i mean he's usually there uh but you're right that he's not always there um uh i, I think i'm just sort of down on that impression which is probably not fair uh so hmm, whatever yeah yeah uh, this is a question that we got in the uh, comments from Andrew, who said a really weird vibe to the show last night. Not sure if it happened in the West Coast version, but the crowd started getting pretty vocal towards the end of the show. You could definitely hear some people shouting during Black Jeopardy and the school dance sketches. Did you catch that, Rich? I did not catch that, so I can't speak to it. Mm. Uh, I did at least on the West Coast. I did not. I did not get that sense. No. Yeah, I wonder maybe if they had to, uh, you know, pot down some of the mics uh, in terms of the mix uh, for the for the West Coast broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I, w- I was watching an East Coast feed. I didn't notice maybe, it, yeah. but I didn't I read didn't about it today that people were saying that there was some like uh, shouting from the crowd. Getting a little antsy. Hmm, interesting. Okay. All right, Rich. Yeah. Let's start to turn, look ahead to the season finale. Here's Fred Armisen back. Now, does Fred Armisen have something in particular to promote? Not that I know of. I mean, I think it's Emmy season and, uh, uh, you know, they're making a big push on documentary now in Portlandia at IFC, both of which he stars and writes on. Uh, they sent me a nice little uh, little fob, which was very cool. Very cool wooden box with their shows on it. Um, uh, I don't know of anything else, I, I think. But but I'm thinking maybe they're sort of just making a general push for that. Yeah. OK, so he is back. What should we expect to see? I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of sort of, uh, you know, I I hate to say it, but I, I just I know we're going to see Garth and Kat. I know Kristen Wiig. She's got Ghostbusters this summer. She's going to be back to do Garth and Kat. We just saw it last year, I think, on the Amy Adams Christmas episode. Um, it's just going to bum me out. I'm afraid <laughs> we're going to see. And the thing here's the thing. I love uh, Fred uh, Armisen. Uh, Garth and Kat is coming. Are the Californians coming, Rich? Yes, I know the Californians are coming. Bill Hader I mean, too. Bill Hader showing up. Do the, I, I think he, I think Hader shows up. Yeah. I do. Okay. I think Hader shows up. <laughs> you know, the big question, of course, is is this, and we don't really know the answer. Is this is this going to be uh, Keenan's last uh, last episode? Because if Keenan's leaving, you're going to get what up with that? Because you're going to get all the you know. Then you've got Lindsey Buckingham in the house. You've got uh, you know you, you you know you've got you know your key people to to do a lot of the a lot of that sketch. So Sudeikis coming that, in for it too. I don't think Sudeikis will be back. I mean, unless unless Keenan's leaving and then maybe Sudeikis comes back to sort of wish him off. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's been very in the fold. We've seen Sudeikis do Romney a couple of times. He was just a, did a run on Last Man on Earth this season. So uh, who knows? OK, uh, uh, Mark in the chat room is asking about Ferrisito, who I've wanted to see for so many years. He has not done Ferrisito for years. And uh, and I and I think we would have seen a Prince show with Maya Rudolph show up to promote her show with Martin Short. I suspect now, especially since Fred came back to do the Prince tribute when he died, that we will not see uh, a Prince thing show up. I'm Seems guessing. unlikely. 
Seems unlikely yes. that we're going to get that. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm <laughs> he's kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, looking forward to the uh, Fred Armisen show. I think it should be a really interesting show to see what they do, what they don't do uh, going into uh, the season finale. So it uh, should be fun. Just look, Rich, what, what are you going to do with uh, Garth and Cat and Californians? Hey, here's how I feel about it. I'm either going to love the show or I'm going to love hating the show. <laughs> and either way, in the scheme of things it's a win for me it's a win okay all right so next week we'll be live at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific to recap everything from the season finale uh next sunday the 22nd so uh should be a fun show on the podcast make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to the podcast go to postshowrecaps.com slash itunes for everything postshowrecaps or for snl only postshowrecaps.com slash snl itunes and we always appreciate your feedback and star ratings rich anything else no looking forward to the finale okay rich is at rich tack on twitter i'm at rob sister looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com take care everybody bye bye
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.